Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. All right. Well, I have a special announcement. Uh, Carlene is now the only leader of that group because Myra is dead. <clears throat> so y'all, y'all pray for her to be safe because she's gone. <laughs> well, uh, don't worry. Don't worry, right? Well, she better worry. I have a feeling. So uh, anyway, well, we've been talking about roots and about uh, the things that sustain us. So I told you at the very first week that roots sustain us. You know, when you're driving down the road and, and you see a new house or a new building being constructed, I've noticed something. When you ride by and see a foundation being poured, we never slam on the brakes and jump out of our car and go, good gracious, that's the most incredible foundation I've ever seen in my life. We just don't do that. We don't call up our friends and say, come out here, you need to look at this foundation, it's incredible. But what we do is when the building is finished, or that mansion has been completed. We call everybody we know and we ride out. In fact, we were riding yesterday to a birthday party and went out uh, past, um, what is it, Funk, his house? I mean, when you walk out, when you drive out, if you've never seen that gargantuan mansion, you walk out, my, my youngest, Devin, went, good gracious, is that a house? I mean, he just freaked out. That's what we do. But we never stop to think about that without the foundation, the edifice is not possible. If you don't have a secure foundation in place, it will not endure the winds of Oklahoma or the shifting sands of Oklahoma or any of the earthquakes that you hardly ever feel in Oklahoma. That The reality is, is that the foundation is the most significant aspect of a structure. And so therefore what we've been talking about and the reason that we've been taking the time to go back and look at our roots and make sure that we have strong roots in place is because if we don't have these roots in place, we will waver. We will fall. We will be shifted from where God has called us to. And so we've been talking over the last three weeks about the different areas that we're rooted to. And I just want to say to you this morning, uh, let me just boldly proclaim to you this morning that these roots are non-negotiable. We're not going to go back 20 years from now and say, you know what, we really don't want to be rooted to these things anymore. No, these are the foundations. These are the things that give us the ability to be stable. So let, remi- let me remind you this morning what we are rooted to or found, find our foundation in. Number one is praise. Purpose is number two. People was number three. Place was number four. Then we talked about prayer. Then we talked about Pentecost. This morning we're going to talk about presence and preaching. If you haven't been with us, let me just review for you quickly. We are rooted to praise because we understand that our victory is wrapped up in our praise. We understand that peace is wrapped up in our praise. The only time you find peace when you're going through bad stuff is when you continue to praise even when you don't feel like it. We are, we are rooted to praise because we believe that God lays up plunder for us. Praise is spiritual warfare. And so when we go into battle and praise, we win victories. And anytime there's a victory, there's loot. 
And so we believe that our plunder is wrapped up in praise. We're rooted to purpose because we believe that you individually has, have a purpose and a destiny from God, but we also believe that corporately there is a destiny that God has laid up for us. We talked about people, and Dustin already mentioned to you that, that we are going to remain rooted to pre- people. Why? Because Jesus was rooted to people. He loved people. He was moved for people. He took time for people. He touched people. He healed people, and he died for people, and that's what we're called to do as well. And then I said, we're rooted to this place, not this building. Don't you dare get attached to this building. It's nothing more than a, than four walls of sheetrock and some, and some plastic and some brick and some concrete. This is not the place that we're rooted to. We are rooted to this community, to this city, to this environment that God has called us to. Get over your favorite chair. Don't get wrapped up in whether you like the carpet color or not. Forget about the paint scheme. This is not the place. This is the place that God has called us to, and we will remain rooted in this place. It will drive us. And then last week, we talked about the foundation of prayer. I want you to learn to pray on the bad days. How many of you had to pray on a bad day this week? I prayed on a bad day. Sometimes we want to turn everywhere else and turn to everybody else, but God is calling us to root ourselves to prayer. Even on the bad days, we learn to pray. And I told you last week that without prayer, we're not a church. We will not uh, uh, assign our prayer lives to a prayer coordinator and depend on them to pray for us. They cannot pray for us. They can pray for us, but they can't pray for us. Do you understand what I'm saying? We have to develop and to mature our own prayer life to the place that we are founded. Our foundation is established in prayer and in with dialogue with God. And then I said that we would remain founded or rooted to Pentecost because I believe with all of my heart that the only hope that people have for freedom and the only hope that we have to bring significant change into our place is through the power and the moving of the Holy Spirit because it was the power of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost that turned the world upside down. Therefore, it's not our slick little programs or our ability to to speak the word of God or even our ability to play nice songs. The only thing that will produce change in this place is the power of the Holy Spirit. We will remain rooted to that. And so this morning, I want us to examine the last two roots and that we are going to remain firmly connected to, and that is presence and preaching. If you will, I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, and then verse 13 through 14, and then in chapter 4 and verse 10 through 12. Don't worry, they'll be on the screen for you. Exodus chapter 3 says this, Now Moses was keeping the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the wilderness and came to the mountain of God unto Horeb. And the angel of Jehovah appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside now and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when Jehovah saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. And moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Verse 13, And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name, and what shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, 
Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And in chapter 4, verse 10, And Moses said unto Jehovah, O Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since hath thou hast spoken unto thy servant, for I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And Jehovah said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh a man dumb or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, Jehovah? Now therefore go, and I will be thy, with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt speak. Out of this account that I've read to you, I just want you to understand that Moses has had a face-to-face encounter with the presence of the living God. It's helpful to remind us this morning and helpful for you to remember that if you go back over Moses' history up to this point, that Moses is now a broken man. Moses is now a forgotten man. He's on the backside of the wilderness when he was destined to be a king, a prince in the house of Pharaoh. Now he finds himself keeping a bunch of sheep on the backside of the desert. He is a forgotten man. He is an overlooked man. He is a man in pain. He is a man with a checkered past. He's a murderer. And he's a man with no future. And in that one moment, he comes face to face with an encounter of God's with an encounter of God's presence, and it changes everything. And out of this account, we can learn some powerful lessons and and about the necessity of God's presence, not only in our lives but in our church. Can I tell you this morning some things about the presence of God? Out of this account, number one, God's presence stops us. Notice what happens. Moses is minding his own business. He's going about his daily task of keeping the sheep. And the Bible says that when he saw the burning bush burning and it wasn't consumed, he stopped to see what was happening. Can I tell you this morning that the only thing that will grab people's attention and stop them in their tracks is not a slick song and not a slick sermon. Can I tell you the only thing that stops us in our track and gets our attention and causes us to stop out of our mundane, ordinary, I'm minding my own business kind of lifestyle is the presence of the living God. That's why we need the presence of God. It's helpful that I remind you this morning that when we come into contact with people on a daily basis, when they come through these doors to come to one of our services, we are coming into contact with people who are broken, who are in pain, who have been forgotten, who have been overlooked, who have checkered past and have no future. But the moment they come into a genuine encounter with the presence of God, it will stop them in their tracks. That's why you can come in contact with drug-addicted people and try everything. But when they come into contact with the presence of God, it can stop them in their tracks. That's why you can come into contact with people who are living a promiscuous lifestyle and have their lives all out of whack and they've tried everything to get everything right and they can't. But when they come into the contact with the presence of the encounter with the presence of God, suddenly out of nowhere he can stop them in their tracks. And what I am saying to you this morning is that if you want to live the life that God has called you to live, and if we're going to be the church that God has called us to be, we must have the genuine presence of God in our midst so that when people drive by, they won't just be drawn in by some cool logo, and they won't be drawn in by some little advertisement piece. They will be drawn in because they will be stopped in their tracks by the power and the anointing of the presence of a living God. What's going to stop them when they walk by your desk at work? It's not your smile. It's not your good looks. It's not that you're on the rise in the company. 
What's going to stop them when you're walking by them in your high school? It's not that you're the coolest kid on campus and that you've got the coolest pair of jeans on and they want to know where they, you can get them. I am saying to you that the only thing that will stop them and cause them to shudder out of their ordinary, mundane life is the only thing that will stop them is the presence of God. The second thing I would say to you out of this account is this. God's presence cannot be ignored. Whether the presence comes in the form of a rainbow, whether it comes in the form of a cloud, whether it came in the form of a dove, or whether it came in the form of a burning bush, you cannot ignore the presence of God. I want to tell you something this morning. You can ignore a good sermon. I've done it. You can ignore a powerful time of praise and worship. I've done it. So have some of you. But the truth is this morning is that you cannot ignore the presence of God. Uh-oh, you can, you can make it out of it, but you can't ignore it. It forces us to make a choice. Is this real or is it not real? Will I submit or won't I submit? Will I respond or will I not respond? It's all based on our decision, but the reality is, is you can't ignore it. You have to make a decision. Have you ever been in a church service where people didn't have the presence of God? Oh, come on now. I, I've been there. Uh, you know those kind of services. That's where people doodle. And they write notes, and, and they clip their nails, and they go to sleep. And I, I know y'all haven't been to that church, but I, I, I was at that church. One of the churches I worked at, we used to have this gentleman that would sit in the choir. We had a choir then, and he would sit there, and you could hear him all over church clipping his nails, right down, right in the middle of praise and worship, right in the middle of preaching. Or if he wasn't clipping his nails, he was sound asleep. And they sat in the choir loft during the whole thing, and he's just like that, you know, because there was no presence. I'm just telling it like it is. That's why I'm not there anymore. You can't live like that. I want to tell you something. I don't want to be a church where people can come and clip their nails. I don't want to be in a church where people can come and draw notes and pass notes and plan out their shopping trip this week and write their grocery list and think about all the things that they got to do tomorrow. I want to be a place where when they walk in, they cannot ignore the physical presence, the, the manifest presence, the, the felt presence of the Holy Spirit. We have got to be that place. And you know what? I don't want you to live your life where people can get in your presence and you have no presence of God over your life and then go about their normal business and never notice it. I want to tell you something. If the presence of God is alive in your life. They shouldn't be able to ignore it. See, I, I believe that God's presence cures attention deficit disorder. <laughs> when we get in His presence, we're, we're locked in and understand that He's here. The third thing I'd say to you is this, is God's presence undresses us. It undresses us. You think about what happens. Mo Moses is walking, minded his own business, and he encounters the presence of God. And God says, take off your shoes. Now, I don't know what you think, but most people I know don't like toes. Uh, most of us just don't really think that toes are that beautiful. We, you know, we don't hang pictures of feet on our wall. We hang other kind of pictures on our wall. But I, it's been a long time since I've been in somebody's house or an art gallery somewhere where you see people's feet. Because most of us don't like feet. We don't want to touch nobody's feet. We don't want to smell nobody's feet. We don't want to clean nobody's feet, right? And so what that teaches us is that God exposes Moses' toes. You know what he's saying? When you come into the presence of God, he brings out and exposes and lays bare your ugliness. That's what the presence of God does in our life. It undresses us. 
so that we understand that we don't have the holiness required, that we're not the right, we don't have the righteousness required, and that there are things wrong in our lives, and it exposes us and cuts us to the quick so that it pulls off our masks. Did you know there's a, there's a masquerade ball that goes on every week? We come to church every week wearing our masks and our costumes, acting as if we got it all together. And what happens is, is when we get into the presence of God, He exposes us. He undresses us. He cuts us down to what really matters. That's why in Luke chapter 12, verse 2 and 3, Jesus said this. He says, you can't keep your true self hidden forever. Before long, you'll be exposed. You can't hide behind a religious mask forever. Sooner or later, the mask will slip and your true face will be known. You can't whisper one thing in private and preach the opposite in public. The day's coming when those whispers will be repeated all over town. I tell you this morning, when we get into the genuine presence of God, our ugliness comes to the surface. Why? So that He can clean us up. He undresses us. He dresses us down so that instead of leaving us there, He can dress. He can bring us back up. That's what it does. I'll get to that in a minute. The next thing I would say to you is this: God's presence produces reverence. Now, this this truth I'm getting ready to say to you. I don't think I'd have to work real hard to convince you of this fact, but let me just share it with you anyway. Our society is irreverent. Do you understand that? Can I tell you this morning that what used to be nasty is now daily conversation. What there used to be bans on, now they can freely say. What, what, we used to be, what used to be unsaid is now played on the radio and on TV and printed and everything else, and you can get to it. What we used to not laugh at, we now, now we gladly repeat it for effect. What used to cause us to blush now causes us to chuckle. I'm preaching real good right now because the truth is, is that we're just as irreverent as our society. Did I, I think I said that out loud. Yeah. We're just as irreverent as our society. What we used to never think about saying, we say. Words that Christians would have never used 20 years ago, now we just say them and don't even think about them. We're irreverent. We, we have what, what used to cause us all, now we mock. Our society is irreverent. And I believe that what happens is that one of the powerful things that takes place in God's presence is it brings us back to the place where we're reverent again. We understand that there's a power greater than us and there's an authority higher than us. And according to Scripture, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. And that only happens when we get into the presence of a living God. And He wipes away our irreverence and says, I'm holy. Honor me as such. Another thing that happens in God's presence is that God's presence exposes and disposes of our excuses. Moses' weakness is exposed, and so he begins to make excuses. And I've realized and discovered that it's in the presence that all of the excuses that we make in life are exposed for what they are, stalling techniques. That's what excuses are. They stall us from having to embrace our destiny and the call of God on our life. 
That's what excuses do. Why, why are you not living like I should be? Well, you don't understand, God. Everything went wrong in my life this week. It's a stalling technique. Why aren't you witnessing to the people? You know, you don't understand, God. They know my past. It's a stalling technique. Why aren't you being, uh, have faith and, and do great? No, you don't understand, God. I'm a nobody. It's a stalling technique. And Moses' stalling technique is exposed and then it is disposed. That's what happens in God's life. When we come into God's life or in God's presence, we clearly see our failures. We clearly see our weaknesses. We clearly see our issues. But then God steps in and says, you know what? Even though all of that is true, I refuse to leave you there. Because then after Moses' excuses, God steps in and he says, you don't understand. I hear your excuses, but I will be your mouth. Teaching us that even when we get to the place that we begin to make excuses, we come into God's presence. He not only gets rid of our excuses, he, he steps in and fixes our excuses. And so we need the presence of God so that when people come in who are making excuses or when we come into contact with people who are making excuses or when we're making excuses and we're not living up to our destiny and our purpose, that we come into God's presence and he exposes our excuses and forces us to embrace and wrestle through to our destiny. God's presence reveals who God really is. That's the next thing you need to know about God's presence. See, some of you have been taught about God, and you think you know who God is. But the truth is, is if you can ever get into God's presence for yourself, you will have a revelation of who God really is. Moses may have thought he knew who God was, but in the course of the conversation with God, he says, God, who am I supposed to say is going to send me? And God speaks up and says, just tell him I am that I am. God, are you saying you're Popeye? No, it's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, Moses, is that I am whatever you need me to be. That's who I am. In other words, Moses, if you need to be your mouthpiece, I am. If you need me to be your strength, I am. If you need me to be your provision, I'm Jehovah Jireh, fill in the blank, I am. If you need me to be your covering and your protector, that's all right, just fill it in. I am Jehovah Nisi, I'm your banner on the battlefield. If you need me to be your peace, that's all right, Moses, fill in the blank. I am Jehovah Shalom, the God your peace. If you need me to be your healing, I am, I'm Jehovah Rapha. Anything you need, whatever you need me to be, God, that, that you need me to be, Moses, you just fill in the blank, you just tell them I am that I am. The reason you need to come into God's presence on a Sunday morning and on every day of your life is so that you can fill in the blank. So that you can have a revelation of who God really is. So when you're coming up against an obstacle in your life, you can just say, God is, I am. Whatever I need him to be, whatever I need, have need of at this moment, at this minute, at this second, I can say, God, I need you. And he steps up and said, now that you're in my presence, I am. You need God's presence in your life so that when you encounter people on a daily basis that have no future, who are in pain, who have been overlooked, who have been disillusioned and discouraged, you can step in and you will have the answer because you've come into contact with a real God who has real answers for real people. And you can look at them and say, I don't know what you're going through, but I know somebody. I know the one true God. And what he's saying to you this morning is, I am, period. Whatever you need, that's who I am. I don't know what you have need of this morning, but can I encourage you? 
He is. Need a breakthrough? He is. Need a healing? He is. Need courage? He is. God is. And the only way you get that revelation is in His presence. The last thing I would say to you about God's presence is this. God's presence will cause us to walk in power. Think about it just a moment. Moses can't even talk, and now he stands in front of Pharaoh and says, let my people go. He didn't have a lot of lines, but he said them pretty powerfully. Here's a man that, that is crushed by low self-esteem. I can't talk. I'm not, I, I'm not eloquent. I, 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 I stutter. And now this same man is confident and leading at least a million people as their leader. Why? Because he's had an encounter with the presence of God. He now is operating and walking in power. Here's a guy who's herding sheep, and now he's a miracle worker. He can take up a rock, a rod, and it turns to, from a rod to a snake. He can hit a rock, and water can come out of it. He can, he can do all that. Why? Because he's come into contact with the presence of a living God. And I want to say to you this morning, you will not work miracles because you come to church. You will not work miracles because you listen to a preacher. You will not be a miracle worker because you sing a good worship song. You will walk in miracle working power when and only when you come into the presence of a living God and have an encounter for yourself. Yeah. Having your name on a roll, carrying around a membership card won't do anything for you. You will never feed the hungry or touch the broken or bring hope to the, the discouraged with a membership card. What will bring about a change in their life and in your life is when you come into the miracle working power of God and it rubs off on me. That's what happened in Jesus' experience and encounter. You think about it when Jesus is crucified and goes into the tomb and raises, rises again on the third day. Do you remember what happens? The disciples begin to walk through crowds and their shadows produce healings on people. Why? Because they were a part of the church? No. Because they took Charisma magazine every month? No. Because they had the right bumper sticker or t-shirt in their, in, their, you know, in their drawer? No, 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 no. What produced miracles in them and through them is the fact that they had had an encounter with the presence of God. If we can't produce miracles in anybody else's life, there's only one reason why. It's not because you've been skipping church, although that might lend to it. But the really reality is you can be here every week and never bring a miracle into anybody's life because that only happens when we touch God. we got to have the presence of the living God in our lives on a daily basis. Now, through the course of this series, you know what I've been doing. I've been having people give their personal testimonies. You, you remember uh, Angie got up and talked about purpose, and uh, Doug and Kelly talked about the power of Pentecost, and James talked about loving people. Well, it's my turn to testify this morning. Can I testify about the presence of God? Can I take you to my burning bush? Oh, you're not going to be impressed when you see it. Show them the picture of my burning bush right there. There it is. Right. Kind of ironic that the only picture I could find was covered in 19 and a half feet of snow. I don't, I don't know what that's all about. But, but uh, this is Apache First Pentecostal Church in Apache, Oklahoma. All right. That's my burning bush. Now, I know it's not impressive. Come on, it's just a building. But can I tell you what happened to me there when I was a teenager? I came into the presence of a living God in this building. This building doesn't even exist anymore. 
But what happened to me as a teenager is that inside the four walls of these church of this church, I found out that God was alive. Let me explain to you. I lived in Anadarko, Oklahoma, which was about 18 or 19 miles away from this building. Three times a week as a teenager, I'd get in my car and drive back and forth to that church because I knew this. God would show up in that place. I can remember seeing people's lives changed and people worshiping God. And I remember that it became such a burning bush moment for me that this is crazy, but I worked, okay, this is 20 random things about Steve. One of the, here's one of them right here. <laughs> I worked at Hardee's, all right? Um, I don't know how, we didn't have cell phones back. That's how old I am. We didn't have cell phones back then. Uh, we didn't have pagers, I don't think. And I was at church on a Sunday afternoon at choir practice. I know that one's hard to believe too, isn't it? <clears throat> didn't stay long enough, evidently. Uh, but I was at choir practice, and the phone rings in the church office. And it's my manager, the main manager, the one that ran the whole place at Hardy's. How she got the number at church, I don't know. But I remember being called by my pastor into the church office, and he said, there's a phone call for you. And I picked up the phone, and her name was Regina or something like that. And she said, I need you to come to work right now because we're shorthanded. And if you don't come to work, you're going to be fired. And I said, fire me. And she said, are you serious? And I said, absolutely. I said, fire me. She said, why would you risk your job to stay over there this afternoon? I don't understand. And I said, if you had been at my church, you would understand. There are some things more important than this job. And I will not leave an encounter with God to come work with you. Now, why does a 15-year-old or a 16-year-old do that? Because that was my burning bush. I can remember on countless occasions going up to my pastor's wife, who also happens to be Jamie's mom, and I would walk up to her as a 16-year-old. Now, most 16-year-olds don't do this. I don't get, maybe not, but at our church, it was normal. I walked up to my pastor's wife on, on a regular basis, and I would look at her and say, you know what? God is going to do something different in church today. You know why I felt that way? Because expectancy had filled my life. And I understood that there was a group of people gathered in this building that were passionate about God, that were desperate for God, that would call out for God, and they wouldn't leave until God would show up and they would settle for nothing less. And I want to tell you this morning, I want to be that kind of place in this place. And I want to be that kind of people in this, in this place. I want us to be those kind of people that will cry out and be desperate for the presence of God. It's at this place that the ugliness of my life was exposed. It was at this place that I came to wrestle through the destiny and purpose of God's plan for my life. It was at this place that I dealt with all of my excuses like, I'm too shy. Another random fact, I am a shy person. But when you come into the presence of God, he's real. And all your excuses are thrown out the window. And when people are standing beside you going, you're awesome. You can do great things for God. God's got a call on your life. That's why Woody and Jesse and Max and the youth teams are so important. That's why it's so important for me to stand up here and tell you that God has a plan and a call on your life. And no excuse you can make can undo that. Wrestle through it in the presence of God and allow him to move you into miracle working power. I stand here today because of a little bitty building in Apache, Oklahoma, where people found the presence of God and they let me enjoy it. And that's what I'm calling us to. We won't sing the same songs they sung. 
We won't worship like they worshiped. I won't preach like my pastor preached. We're different. But the presence is the same. And I long. Let me tell you something real bold. The moment we quit having his presence is the moment we close the doors. I don't need a paycheck that bad. Hear me this morning. We'll turn off the lights and lock the doors. Because without his presence, this is nothing more than a social club. We need his presence. We must remain rooted to his presence. We won't have a form of godliness with no power. We need his presence. One man said it like this. He said, in any church service, the congregation preaches more than half the sermon. He said, the congregation brings an atmosphere with it. He said, the atmosphere is either a barrier through which the preacher's word cannot penetrate or else there's such an expectancy that even the poor sermon becomes a living flame. Then he asked this question, how did you come to church today? I can say it a little more eloquently, I think. The atmosphere of expectancy is the breeding grounds of miracles. We need his presence. We must stay rooted to his presence. And quickly, let me tell you that we've got to stay rooted to preaching. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this. He says, in many ways, it is the departure of the church from preaching that is responsible in a large measure for the state of modern society. The church, having abandoned her real task, has left humanity more or less to its own devices. We need preaching. Do you understand that in the Old Testament that God made it very clear that there is power in the communicated word of God? Do you understand that the Israelites didn't have a Bible like you have to be able to roll it out and you can read it whenever you want? The only way that the word of God was communicated is it was passed down from generation to generation as moms and dads told children. They communicated the word of God and that word of God would take hold of young children's life and they would remember the word of God. There is power in the word of God in the proclaimed word of God. We're reminded of just how powerful it is in Romans chapter 10, verse 14 and 17. It says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We must remain rooted to preaching because if there is no preaching, there is no faith. Think about that a moment. If you come to church and all we do is worship and you never hear the word of God according to what Romans just told us, no, the only way you hear and the only way that faith is established is when you hear, didn't say read, it says hear the word of God. It causes faith to rise up in us. If we quit preaching, there's no place for faith. If we quit preaching, people will walk out of here with no faith. If there's no preaching, there is no faith because preaching plays a part in the faith process. The second thing I want to tell you this morning about preaching is this preaching isn't just my job. Not just my job. Did you know you're called to preach too? Oh, come on now. You may not spit like I spit and sweat like I sweat. and You may not walk around with a rag in your bag. 
But the truth is you're called to preach. Because preaching is nothing more than sharing the good news. Now, I understand something this morning, and I want you to hear me carefully. Every gift has a capacity in it. Wrapped up in every gift, there's a capacity. And your gift may only have the capacity to speak to one person at a time. While somebody else's gift may have the capacity to speak to hundreds of people at a time, or thousands, or tens of thousands. But you have a capacity wrapped up in your gift that you've got to find. And your gift may only be able to be to speak to the people next to you at work, but you are called to preach. That's your job. It's just as much as my job. You are called. Can I tell you something this morning? The most powerful preaching does not happen on Sunday morning. It happens in your daily life. That's why in Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 20, I'm not going to read them all to you, but in verse 15, he says, Go ye into all the world whether you have a reverend in front of your name or whether you went to seminary or whether you went to online studies and graduated with a preaching degree. He's talking to all of us. He says, go you into all the world and do what? Preach the gospel to every creature. Did you know that in the 112 times that the word preach is found in the New Testament, that on only six instances does it even mean a formal discourse like what we're doing right now? Six out of 112. All the rest of the times he says preach or the word preach is used, it means that it's that thing that happens in a daily process where we're talking to people and we're preaching the gospel, the good news to them, and how we speak to them and dialogue with them. You're called, you're part of the preaching team. That passion. We need you to preach. Now, let me tell you, we're going to stay rooted. I want you to stay rooted on a Sunday basis, but I want you to stay rooted on a daily basis to a particular kind of preaching. Can I tell you what that is? Biblical preaching. We must stay rooted to biblical preaching. I want you to stay rooted to dealing with the whole counsel of God's Word, even if it's not comfortable. Even if we can't smile through it when we read it. Even if it brings us to our knees, it is biblical preaching. Even if it doesn't make us feel like we just walked out of a self-help seminar instead of church. If it's biblical, it's biblical. And we don't get to pick and choose what parts we like and don't like and don't deal with the ones we don't like. We will remain rooted to biblical preaching, the whole counsel of God's word. Why? Why is God's word so, so important? Because in Matthew chapter 4, we discover that we are sustained by God's word. Not only are we sustained by God's word in Isaiah chapter 55 verse 11, we find out that God's word is powerful. It never returns void. We must stay, remain rooted to preaching because God's word is sharper than any two-edged sword. In other words, it, gives, it reveals us. It gives us a standard to judge by. It exposes our life. In fact, the Bible reads us more than we read it. That's what his word does. He finds our lives. In, 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 his, in his word, we find our lives. We find our motives. We find our triumphs. We find our failures exposed in God's word. And then according to Ephesians chapter 5, we're cleansed by the word. Because the Bible says there we are washed by the water of the word. And so we need God's word. In Psalm chapter 119, we need his word because his word is a light and a life. And it shows us where to walk. We're, com we're comforted by his word. In Romans chapter 15, we, his word teaches us how to live in 2 Timothy. And in Psalm chapter 119, his word keeps us from sinning. We need to hear God's word. Let me tell you some other things about preaching that I want you to hear from me. 
I think it applies to what we do here on Sunday, but I also think it applies to you in your daily life. I want us to not only remain rooted to biblical preaching, I want us to remain rooted to relevant preaching. Too often our preaching answers questions nobody's asking. We must be relevant. We've got to hit people where they live. When you're at work, you need to quit talking about revelation and start talking about daily life. That's where they're at. That's what they're asking about. They don't care if there are seven seals and 9,600 bowls. What they want to know is how do I make it from one day to the other? They don't care about mid-trib, post-trib, pre-trib. They don't give a rip. What they want to know is can I make it loving my wife and my husband and can my kids not act like crazy idiots all week long? How do I make it through life? We've got to be relevant, but not only relevant preaching, we need to have creative preaching because the gospel, I believe it's a sin if we ever make the gospel boring. And so we're making a commitment on Sundays, but you've got to make a commitment in your daily life that we will creatively declare the word of the Lord. Not only creative, but convicting preaching. We don't hear much about conviction anymore. But I am convinced this morning that we need to preach in a manner that brings conviction. Because anytime God's word goes forward, it should produce change in people's life. And I think we need to preach passionately. Let me make a commitment to you this morning. If it doesn't move you, or if it doesn't move me, I realize it won't move you. And that's no, that has nothing to do with volume. Nobody's going to listen to you or to me if they don't see and feel in us that it moves us too. And then lastly, I want you to hear this morning very carefully. I believe that one of the rooted places we've got to be rooted in preaching is this. We've got to have lived out preaching. I want to make a commitment to you this morning. I'm not going to preach something to you. I'm not living. But I'm challenging you too. Quit preaching stuff you're not living. Boy, I just slipped right over into convicting preaching, didn't I? Did you just catch that little, I, just, whew, I like that. Just got that right in there, didn't I? But that's the truth. The reason they don't listen to us half the time is because they don't see what we're saying is truth because we don't live it. I'm calling you to live, to have lived out preaching. We must remain rooted in preaching. See, here's my dilemma this morning, and then I'm done. I find people all the time that are rooted to praise that aren't rooted to preaching. They'll come in here and they'll preach themselves or they'll dance themselves silly during praise and worship and then they check out. I don't need that word stuff. I just praised. Or it's vice versa. They don't like that praise and worship stuff because it's too loud and it's too crazy and I don't understand all that jumping stuff. So I'll just come a little late and hear his word because I need to. Can I tell you it's not an either or? It's a both and. We're rooted to praise, but we're also rooted to preaching. We need to hear God's word and we need to praise. So we need to understand that our growth is wrapped up in what we're hearing. And so I want to challenge you this morning. Don't live on just my study and on my preaching. I give you permission to listen to other preachers. In fact, I encourage you to. Why? Because when we hear the word, it sustains us. When we hear the word, it changes us. And so I want to challenge you to do a root check when it comes to God's presence and to preaching. You have got to stay attached 
to God's presence, but you must also do everything within your ability to stay attached to God's word through preaching. That means you don't miss services because you want to hear God's word. That means when you're riding in your car, you're listening to preaching. Find a good one. Don't find a boring one. Find somebody that brings the whole counsel of God's word and allow it to penetrate your heart and your life. I want you to stand with me this morning. We've taken four weeks and we've gone back through our foundation. We will, we will remain rooted to these things. And I'm not going to do them in order. We will remain rooted to prayer. We've got to pray. We will remain rooted to Pentecost because without that power operating in our life, we're doomed. And everybody we know is doomed as well. We will remain rooted to people because if there aren't people in our lives and we're not moved by people, then we're playing church. We will remain rooted to purpose because when you get into God's presence, you discover He's got a plan for you. And you're never going to be happy. Can I say that again? You will never be completely fulfilled and happy in life until you find the purpose that God has for you. We will remain rooted to praise. We're going to praise ourselves silly. You know why? Because it scares the devil out of the devil. It scares him to death when God's people praise. Our victory is wrapped up in it. We will stay rooted to His presence I'm not about to have a church service where we come in here and mark time. I refuse. You can have the microphone at that moment. If I can't feel him and experience him, then we're wasting my time and yours. I'm going to stay rooted to this place. He's called us here. He's hand-carved a niche for us. We've got to fulfill his purpose. And we'll stay rooted to preaching because without his word, there is no sustaining force. We live on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. we got to have it. Father, help us to stay rooted. When winds of trends and fads and schemes and man's ideas and plans come and try to sweep us off course individually and collectively I pray that we would remember our roots God in our own personal life when everything comes against us and tries to get us to focus on ourselves and focus on money and focus on houses and focus on popularity and focus on things that don't really matter I pray that you would remind us what we're rooted to. And God, this morning, my prayer is this. Root us to your presence. God, I pray that we would never be satisfied with a service that doesn't have your presence all over it. I pray that collectively and individually there would be a hunger that would rise up in us that would cause us to be that place where people walk in and have a burning bush experience where when they walk in their attention is grabbed and they're stopped in their tracks and it changes their life 
forever. God, I know that I can't go back to Apache, and I know that it'll never be exactly like that. That's all right. I've come to grips with that because what I'm asking you to do is form a brand new bush here, and I'm asking you to set us on fire and cause people to stop in their tracks to watch us burn and let them come into this place and suddenly realize I got to take my shoes off. The ugliness of my life has been exposed and now I realize that I'm weak and I'm naked and I'm undone but I'm in the presence of God and he's here and he's calling me and he's going to build me back up and I'm going to be able to fulfill my purpose. Let us be that place. I'm praying this God when people drive by and they notice a sign I pray that something would happen in the supernatural realm and your presence would invade their car and it would stop them in their tracks and they'd go, there's something different about that place. I got to go find out what's going on. God, I'm praying for my people that when folks walk by their desk at work or when they go through a drive through and they encounter the attendant there, that it will stop that person in their tracks and they will suddenly realize there's something different in their life and I got to find out what it is. And when that happens... I pray that we would open up our mouths and we would preach with the anointing and the unction and we would preach based upon the Bible and not our own concepts and our preaching will be relevant and it will be creative and it will be convicting and it will be passionate and it will be lived out. What we say we will live. God, to touch people's lives. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you came in here because of a cool logo or because somebody invited you and you didn't really know what to expect but you got in here and you discovered that God is in this house and you've had a personal encounter with God and it stopped you in your tracks. Maybe you've never even thought about God. Maybe you don't even know who God is. Can I tell you this morning? In His presence, He is that He is. He is I am that I am and He is what you need. And if you could just encounter him it will change your life forever and if you're here this morning and you need him to touch your life and to change you I promise you I won't embarrass you I make that covenant with you right now it's not me that needs to touch you anyway God wants to touch you and if that's you this morning and you need a touch from God whether you've known him all your life or you don't know him at all and you need him to fill in the blank would you quickly just raise up your hand and pull it back down and say, I need God this morning. I need Him to touch my life. Anybody, anybody this morning need Him. Father, this morning I'm praying right now that you would fill in the blank. God, I need you to be. Fill in the blank. Touch your people this morning. Let them walk out your presence on a daily basis. Secure our foundation this morning. It's by your power and by your might and by your spirit that you can accomplish that. We believe you for it. been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.